Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Goalie Science, the podcast where we explore goaltending, science, and the application of both. I'm here with my second in-person interview, none other than Derek Bujan. Derek, thanks for joining me. Yeah, no problem. I was the first guest and now the second in-person guest. Second in-person guest. It, I, I love doing these though, Ben. <laughs> Maybe one day Ben will join us for an in-person interview, but uh, probably not. Um, summer is trickling down, yep. getting close to the end season. Um, the question I have for you is actually something that I'm going to be transitioning to this. And I think a lot of goalie coaches out there, parents may not, may not understand the difference, but for you who has been in this business a long time, what's the main differences that you see when it comes to coaching goalies in a team scenario versus privately? Well, first off, when you're coaching with a team, it opens up a whole new world of kind of, I don't want to say possibilities, but it opens up a whole, a whole different kind of avenue for you to go about in terms of preparation, whether it's pre-scouting the other team or doing a pre-scout on the other team for your coaches, understanding who their best players are, helping your boys understand how they're going to attack on a power play. Uh, when you do private one-on-one stuff, it's, it's mostly skill development stuff. So the simple, easy answer is the biggest difference between being a goalie coach for a team and then doing private lessons is skill development opposed to like situational awareness and kind of teaching more of the game and what's going to happen. And I think it's, it's for us, it's really nice break. If we do a lot of private lessons to get into a team setting where it's more of coaching than it is about instructing. And that's the biggest difference for goalie coaches out there and for parents to understand is as goalie coaches, sometimes we're coaching and then other times we're doing mostly just instruction mm-hmm. now that would obviously be more geared towards older goalies when it comes to like younger kids that we're talking like anything probably under like u12-ish do you still focus on that structure of the game or is it still is it more of that skill acquisition kind of development well that's a, that's a good question because i think like famously you're you're known for it depends yeah i think it depends yeah right if say for us if we have a kid who we do private lessons with and we're also that team goalie coach, you can go to that practice and you can just do situational stuff. 
You don't need to worry about the, the, the skill development yeah. because you're already doing that with them. It's easy to reiterate and kind of hammer home those those ideas of the skill development with quick reminders. But that that I think is what the best holistic approach is if you can do both. Now, we don't always get that. We yeah. can be a team goalie coach and our goalies will go to another goalie coach for their private one-on-one lessons, which is cool. Like, nothing wrong with that. Um, then we can just kind of stay with the in-game preparation strategy and structure of the game do you like to have a plan with each team or like if you're starting off with a new team start of the season like how do you how do you approach that no and this i found this with every age is the first thing when i go to a team and i if i if somebody i haven't had before is the first thing that i find that kids and even elite guys screw up is their starting and stopping points and that's the very first thing so for me like and this might be different from other people but if the play's in your end, you follow the play out to your blue line. Once it is out of the blue line, you come back, you find your net. And then your starting point is once you see control from the other team hit their blue line, we've already started to come out so that we stop at the red line. I get I mean, I yeah. get it. But I don't, I mean, in my head, I'm thinking about all the goalies I've seen that are just all over the map. And there are so many guys that don't do that. They try to start when the play is entering their blue line. But if we start when they're hitting the red line, we're now anticipating a dump in, or we can scan and see if there's a three on two developing. And it takes the time it goes from red line to blue line where they carry the puck. Yeah. That eliminates so much panic and it eliminates us trying to speed up the play. So if we get out there earlier, we're able to scan and slow down the play. And that's been my first probably month with any team I've had from U12 AAA to junior guys going to college because I find they all screw that up. Now, whether they do that in practice because they're not as engaged in practice, that's individual, but I spend at least the first month dialing that in. And I guess so many guys are like, man, that's so much easier to do that because it just simplifies their game. It lets them slow down. I think like I'm picturing myself telling this to goalies and I can already hear that if you say, I want you to be like prepared and engaged by the time they get to the red line, automatically they're thinking like way more aggressive yeah way more it's the opposite so uh, yeah it's the exact opposite (laughs) yeah yeah so like if a guy gets to the red line like you're just looking like for me i i like toes toes in the white toes in the white yeah toes in the white i I don't know why that's so is that just like an old style like is that just because that's how goalies used to play back in the day that just carried over like where does that where does that stem from because like you'll see guys like well they want to come out 10 feet past crease yeah oh yeah yeah that (laughs) Well, and then they lose their net and they're like, oh, why was I off the angle? Well, if you think about this, just think about this logically. If if we want to be out and ready at the red line, it's because we're anticipating one play at the red line. And it's a dump in or a chip in. Mm-hmm. Right? So we're trying to set ourselves up for to put ourselves in a position that we can go and get a handle. And we want to be able to get to the boards quick. So if we're 10 feet past off the crease and they rim that thing hard, Bobrovsky's not getting that. Yeah. Right? So we're trying to put ourselves in a position where we can go and get a puck handle. Now, if they don't ship it in or dump it into the red line, the next spot likely there'll be a play would be the blue line. Yeah. And the same thing, it'd be either a soft chip or they'll carry the puck in. And the, the less we've been over aggressive on that play, the less we have to retreat or use the recoil method mm-hmm. or backflow, whatever we want to call it. But that's the biggest thing as guys got to learn is the less we come out for our starting point, yeah. The less we got to back up, and the less we back up, the more control and the less pace we can back up with. 
And that's the biggest thing that I've been teaching my guys. I say in the last eight months is that backflow pace. And I'm having like, I'm seeing huge results with it. It's going to be really fun to see where we go with that in September. But that starts with starting stopping points and just plays during the game. Now that you mentioned, that's definitely something I've taken for granted because like, you know, I feel, I, I guess like, dude, I don't remember I was ever like really getting into detail about that when I was younger. Maybe it was just something that like I didn't have to think too much about. But now like I've, I've had this discussion with my goalies where some of them are just getting, they're starting too deep and they're getting caught too deep. Or they're just so used to having one speed of backing it and they're getting caught completely out of position. So it's, it's weird. It's, it's good. Cause I actually haven't really thought much about that. Um, what's like when it comes to like struggles with that, like, how do you really get buy-in with your goalies? Like, is there a way you show them or it's just like, Hey, like, just trust me, like go with this. So <clears throat> the biggest thing and, uh, and why I've really kind of come back to this. And the reason we, we never really did it with you was because you didn't really struggle with play reading. You didn't struggle with patience. Like you were really good at moving east to west without having to worry about that. Yeah. So it wasn't something for you. What I'm seeing more nowadays with guys, especially taller guys, is stances nowadays are getting wider. Guys are getting more locked into their hips. Yeah. And what they don't understand about being wider and locked in their hips is we all know that that is going to, that's going to harm them when they have to go east to west. Mm -hmm. What other guys don't understand is that for as long as they've been playing, playing goalie, we've hammered into their heads, get set, make a save, yeah. get set, make a save, get set, make a save. So what I'm finding now when I'm introducing a little bit more backflow is not only are guys faster east to west because the backflow allows, it gives them a little bit of momentum. Yeah. But if you're flowing back and using the recoil method, if we want to give it a name, you can't do that with a wide stance. Yeah. It forces them to be more narrow. Which, which it does. The problem, like when teaching it, it's so hard to teach when, not hard, but it just takes a lot of labor to teach it because typically, you know, when you just drop your butt and, and glide back, it makes sense to do it. But then when you get someone who's only, they just wide out. That's how they get their momentum to retreat and then they get locked in. I see that, I see that all the time with goalies. I'm like, well, that's, you, you get beat a lot on fake, like fakes. Well, yes. Yeah. Cause you're too wide. So, I mean, I see that. Well, because as soon as we lock those hips in, yeah. like we're, we're just trained and programmed to go down. And that's part of our goal, the goalie coach's fault. Yeah. Because we teach set, make a save, which I think is like, and when they get set, it's, they're getting, I know. Locked yeah. Under. The, yeah. For me, it's like when I say get set, make a save, it's because I want to eliminate forward momentum. Mm -hmm. Sometimes in the zone, backwards momentum. And I don't, I guess I don't account for that sometimes where, cause I see like kind of eliminate drifting forward and which you were a big drifter for oh for sure yeah horrible that's rebound controls are so hard when you're drifting forward anything is hard but to one thing with that is like i didn't think you had a rebound control world because if you are drifting forward you still had your weight falling forward in your save sometimes it depends a lot of times i i don't know i find a lot of more bullies are really struggling with balance um in their heels and their toes like they're stepping out on their heels all the time and i think a lot of that comes from drifting forward because I don't know. I found that like if you are really far forward and the ball is your feet, it's a lot harder to drift forward than it is to drift back. So here's a question for you. If they, if you're finding that they're on their heels and drifting forward, when they've moved from A to B, are they stopping with one foot or two? Because I guarantee if they're stopping with one foot, they're not, they're not on their heels. They're, it's, you know, yeah. And it's also this like, this 
they're not like in a T push. They're not stopping with their lead leg. It's that like they bring both legs forward. Yeah, and they're stopping with two legs. So slow, so slow, and then that's why they're on their heels. So for those guys, it's just you force or, the leg stop, or it's you know we talk about like stopping the chest and stuff. It's they're they're like I call it the Shakira hips, where they they leave you with the hips and they pop forward. And then I was actually talking about this with a goalie in Texas, where like because for him he was. He was like six foot four and he was really athletic, but he was just, he had happy feet. He was just doing too much. And I said, like, one of the things I see a lot is too, is like goalies kicking the toe up mm-hmm. when they stop. And it was just all like, just like movement efficiency and just slowing it down. It's very Czech, Czech Republic. That like the toe, toe up. The yeah. toe up. Uh, yeah. I see that. I just, there's a lot of weird things I see, but definitely the balance, like just general balance is, is one that it, something that I hammer home. Which is definitely why I do like a lot of those edge works and like yeah you know, I know you do a lot of down skating during the off season but I like to do it all year just because I think like the more that we can understand how to transfer our weight from our heels to our toes the better. That is actually funny at the camp I was just at um, it was with adult league goalies and they were really struggling on their knees but their feet was fine. Like high with younger kids too it's like down skating they love it but when it comes to like balancing on their feet they're just not they just they spend all the all day just doing like stuff on their knees and never stuff on their feet. Um, it's, it's just a weird like dichotomy between like the older bullies and the, and the younger bullies, but I don't even remember what we were talking about before that. I'm talking about backflow. Oh, backflow. Yeah. No, just we, like, we get off. Yeah. We get off track. That's okay. But yeah, I just, I, I don't know for me, whenever I like, if I'm, if I'm teaching a goalie to come forward, like basically shoulders over the hips, I, it's hard for me to creep when I'm leaning backwards. I just don't have or at back way to my heels. I have less control. I tend to creep and this is, I don't know. This is this is what comes down like different philosophies, I guess. And I mean, I've seen some things on the internet where like I remember there's a Shesterkin save where he like flew out and like made this one timer save, and the, the whoever the coach was was like, "This is how you need to play, like shot, just fly out." And I was like, "I just want to be like, no, like." But did you see his rebound after that? But also again, you can't do what Shesterkin does, and you also can't take one save, yeah, and and blanket it and said this is how you make this save yeah because we all get caught creeping for it at some point and what if that guy doesn't shoot exactly right like that's the biggest question and that should be asked in goaltending now is what if he doesn't shoot and yeah and that's like when i was putting together the video for for the stuff i'm able to do in finland i need to i need to take into account a different ice surface so i had to go back and redo all my clips because now you have a different ice surface and in europe guys don't like to shoot they want to pass. Well, I think I think it's, that's happening now. Yeah. Here. So I think yeah, definitely. But that's what that all comes back to just playing like slightly deeper and then like beating things on your feet. But uh, that balance thing is an issue. And and let's getting on the topic of, of backflow. Has that been like a, a hard thing to teach with kids, or has that been pretty pretty? No, not really. I'd say like once I explain, like I said, is you really have to explain why you want a kid to do something Mm. and i feel like that's what i'm really good at is this is why we're doing it and i don't have to necessarily teach them how to do it if you teach them why instead of the how the how is easy yeah same with an rvh i can teach i can teach my wife an rvh right now if she uses it on her breakaway it's not going to work but you teach them why they're doing an rvh yeah and in their head it helps them understand how to do it so for me when I explain to them, and and it's a different explanation for everybody on why we're doing it too. I have a kid named Jack McGovern who plays at Wentworth University D three in Boston area, and he's a six foot six kid, heavy feet, not the best skater. Sees the game ultra slow motion. 
unbelievable this guy see how how easy it is for this guy to make reads please ultra wide ultra wide still still yeah mm -hmm. ultra wide but it fits his game but as he moved into college he had a good year this year but we want him to take another step and be even better yeah. i've been doing a lot of backflow with him and the reason i'm doing the backflow with him is it's narrowed his feet up it's just giving him a little bit more freedom to move east to west in a quicker game uh same thing another guy another d3 guy named, in oswego named cal shell more of an athletic guy sometimes tends to get too wide in his hips and when he gets wide in his hips he loses all his patience where jack can stay wide and he can still move where cal once cal gets locked in his hips he can only go down so for him we're using it more for patience so there's that's the difference between same same lesson same method same technique completely different situations so you gotta you gotta find an out if you find if you tell the guy why they're doing it yeah they're gonna buy in now for a kid who's in U12, they're not gonna really understand why. You can just teach them how to do it. Yeah. And then as they get older, you start teaching them why we're doing this or why we want to change it or what for them it's more why are we backing up slow? Where like the 12 year olds want to come way out and they want to come back really, really fast. Yeah. Oh, cut down the angle. Like our breakaway guys in the little slot and they back up 200 miles an hour. <laughs> why why can't I stay patient? Well, because you're backing up 200 miles an hour. Yeah. Can control your pace. That that's like the where you go with the 12 year olds on this. But um, yeah, and I'd say eight months since this has kind of been my summer focus anyway, or let's say focus of 2023. And yeah, it's a big difference. I I always felt like like backflow or recoil or whatever was like something that we just already did. We did. We did do it. It's funny because when they came out with the terminology of recoil method, you texted me and be like, we've been doing this for 10 years. I'm like, yeah, we just never called it that. We called it a retreat or we called it backflow or you called it reverse momentum. Yeah. Like we can call it whatever we want to call it. Yeah. All it is is having to make a save moving back towards Slightly your goal line in order to be able to move laterally. But Linus Allmark goes and wins a Vesna, and now it's everyone knows it as the recoil method. It was the recoil. It wasn't this team at all. No. And it wasn't yeah. <laughs> but good on Bob Essenza, Bob Essenza hmm. because if you go back and you look at Linus Allmark previous to playing in Boston. Big guy, wide stance, struggled to rebound control, struggled with patience, and a little bit of backflow in his game created a pretty good goalie. See, like when I watched clips back, and I think we did the recoil episode, um, I didn't notice that much of a difference between, I guess probably well, it was last year in Buffalo and then this, this past year. So like, I don't know. It just, it seemed like, I guess, probably a little bit more narrow, but he's always been like really good on straight shots lateral not so much but boston also doesn't give up a lot of lateral stuff or buffalo defensively it's just not been very good but yeah i guess like you just put put names put names on things panda RBH. just put names on things people it's it's automatic recognition that is true and and that's what's good about it is like we can say the recoil method and people are like okay no, that is. yeah people know what the panda is whether it's a thing or not <laughs> they're gonna know what they're gonna know what we're talking about <laughs> oh yeah the panda so I actually, so completely different topic. Um, I was talking to a goalie coach from St. Louis and he was talking, he was like drawing creases. I'm, I realized I'm very anti-crease when it comes to like whenever you're on a camp or whatever and you can't actually have the crease. I don't like drawing creases because I want my goalies to be able to understand where they are in the net at all time without having a crease. And I was curious what your thoughts on that. And excluding like it, 
if you have like anything like probably like you 15 and up no crease even your young kids and like they really don't understand their depth then I, I will draw it but i think for less my older guys like i don't i personally don't think you should have a crease you should be able to understand depth you should be able to understand angle you should be able to find yourself or find your net regardless of where you are without looking in my opinion yeah this is a loaded question this because i agree i agree with most of everything you said now you put a net in a regular spot in an arena and you have a crease there do you need the crease no you have landmarks everywhere. You have the dots. You have the blue lines on the wall. You got landmarking everywhere. You should always know where you are. There's never a time in a game that you should have to look at the crease. Ever. So, and I assume we're talking about nets like in the neutral zone. Like yeah. For... Agree if they're like 10 and under, mm -hmm. draw a crease. Because those kids will look down when they're moving at the crease. Mm -hmm. But if you're running a goalie school or you're running a goalie camp and you're running goalie drills and you're doing drills in the neutral zone, you should be doing drills that do not need a crease. That makes sense. Why are you doing a drill in the neutral zone that doesn't have any landmarking? Because you can draw a crease. They still shouldn't be looking at it. Yeah, I guess like... So their landmarking is off already. I'm trying to think of the last time I did a drill. Like definitely don't sound like I'm doing rush drills in the neutral zone. They're just like usually straight shots or like you make a save, quality rebound. But I find that just even have a pile of pucks and goalies will step off their net and just be so off angle. And they'll be like, you're off your angle. Like, I'll decrease. Like, it shouldn't really matter. You you can tap both posts. You can do whatever. Yeah, that argument doesn't work that, with me at all. If you are moving from your net yeah. to a puck, how do you lose your net? I Like, that, but that's... Yeah, there's no way. Yeah, and we've talked about how, like, how do you teach angle? And you can't. It comes from being, like, corrected and learning over time. And for me, one of the things is like learning your angle without a crease because we talk about landmarks, but not every ring always has the same line. Some are wider. Some are like, sometimes your, 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 your net is like basically in the bottom, like where the hash marks are, you mm -hmm. have a huge gap. And so you can't rely on it. So in that old saying where it's like, oh yeah, like look at your, look at your corner, your blues, it's not always the same. So I mean, I, I yeah, I guess like, I think like, I don't really. I don't really, most goalie coaches don't really do rush drills in the neutral zone. You just no, it should. Space. Yeah. And should, like, I like neutral zone for battle drills mm -hmm. where things are in tight or uh, attacks from behind the net because you can create a little bit more space for the player yeah. and they can walk out. So there's good for reverse drills, good for battle drills, puck handling drills if you want to do some puck handling. Super easy to do in neutral zone. Don't need a crease. I agree with you 100%. If a kid ever comes off the post to a puck, there's no way that they need a crease to find angle. You've come straight from the net. The only time I think a kid would lose is if it's you're at the top of the crease and there's two or three movements before a puck gets shot. Yeah, that you could possibly lose your spatial awareness. But the good guys don't. Mm -hmm. The best guys don't. Yeah, and I don't think drawing a crease would help that because you shouldn't be looking at the crease anyway. Also, like, I'm fine. Is I it know a pet peeve? Yeah, no, like you know, it's not a pet peeve. It's to be honest, like it looks more professional. So like if I'm going to run a goalie camp and I got nets on it on in your zone, I'm going to draw the creases because visually to the parents in the stands, it looks more professional. Now, whether it's essential for the kids development. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that I get that too. I just, that would always, that was when, when goalie goalies would be like, well, I don't have a crease. And for me, it's like, you shouldn't have to have a crease. And I guess like you, it's typically with multiple movements. It, I, I can see that. 
but it's even for a lot of goalies is that initial start off the post. Yeah, that's just the goalie. Like, yes, that's, that's on them. It's then, not on you. That's not on. It's also not they the don't crease. Yeah, <laughs> I'm pretty sure you'd be on an angle if you had the crease. But that was that was a discussion because he was like, he was like, yeah, like let's draw creases. And for me, I was like, no, like I, I don't think these goalies are an age where they should be able to play without a crease and understand understand depth and not be super aggressive and not have to know where they are at all times. Like I don't know, like if you put me in the net and close my eyes, I should probably be able to find like. You can find my net. My eyes closed. Yeah, it's just I haven't played a game since 2007. Yeah, and yeah, and I, I would still be on angle on every puck. Yeah, I, I make no saves because I'm terrible. Yeah, yeah, I want to be perfectly in position. position and I'm close. So I close my eyes when they shoot and I'd go in. Oh, that's the bad position. You get. Same with like toe lock, like finding your toe lock on the RVH. I was playing that's how I arc and I was like, look, I haven't played in three years, and I put on the pad to record a drill, and I hit my toe lock 100 percent of the time. Yeah, there's this going to be a few where I miss it. So I'm like, it just takes time. You just have to learn it. But like, if you get discouraged because you miss your toe lock five, you have the five of the first 10 reps and you stop doing it, you're never going to learn. So I think it just comes down to that. But I, I don't know why that popped into my head, but just the creases was like a, not a pet peeve. It's just like, I don't think you need it. I agree. Or like always, like always drawing X's or it just comes down to like, bot, like say with like always using the box control lines and like, like you said earlier, if you can explain why, you shouldn't have to use those props all the time. So my because my son is it. seven years old. Yeah, he's a goalie. He is not a reason why. I don't know why. First, yeah, he one time on a full rink, I had net in the neutral zone, and one time I put exits for him. Once, I never have to do it ever again. And I'm not saying he's the best goalie. For but you're the best coach. Can you beat anybody that I've seen U9 and under? Yeah. I've seen kids that are better than him, that are ahead of him, faster, more athletic, because that's going to be a struggle. <laughs> but spatial awareness and being in position, he's probably the best kid I've seen at his age group. And I showed it to him once. And when we do drills, I you're off your angle, do it again. It's not move him over. It's you're off your angle, do it again. And the biggest, the biggest thing for guys to learn is like, Move over this way a little bit. Oh, keep going. Oh no, go back this way. That kid's moved three times. He's it. Hasn't he hasn't learned that spot? Make him do it again. And I hammer it home and I hammer it on he's seven years old. So if my seven year old doesn't need a crease and doesn't need an axe, you can't tell me that you're doing a U twelve elite camp and having to draw X's for kids. Make them do it. Yeah. Like make their body and make their minds develop that spatial awareness and the feel for positioning. Because we've said it before, and I've listened, and you said it a lot of times, is positioning is a feel. Mm -hmm. It's not something that we can teach them. It's not a physical skill. Yeah. It is something that they have to be able to develop on their own. And then once they get it, just like you and like me, you're never going to lose it. Yeah. You can lose all the other physical skills in the world, but like that's, that spatial awareness yeah. should always be there. Because the net hasn't changed size in 200 years. The crease, other than taking out and adding a straight line from a semicircle, mm -hmm. Is the same size for 200 years. Unless you're playing in like Paris rank where it's yellow and it's square. <laughs> you yeah, I did The only crease I circle around. Circle around. It's yellow. Yeah. But for 200 years, and that's in the same spot and the same size. So you're never going to lose that spatial awareness and that, that ability to be in position if you learn it and it's hammered home. You don't need to draw a crease in the yeah. neutral zone. 
I'm definitely. I'm also not as fired up about it as you. You know, I just. Yeah, I, I don't know. I got fired. I got fired up about a lot of things. Um, I definitely am guilty of like the the shoe over. I like to do like if goalie comes out and they're off right, I'll be like, you need to go work. Well, you you can shit and, and, and then and I back them up. Like, and they don't yeah. want them, don't want to make that safe. Though. Yeah, and be like, okay, this is your position. Now yeah. go back and come. Yeah, yeah, that's what back. I was saying. That's what I like to do. Where it's like, shoot, like be like, you need to go and wear your glove. Look, understand where you are. Do it again. They're off. And do it again. Do it again. But I think that's something that's I don't know. I, I don't know. I guess I I have to watch more goalie coaches uh, to see like how they coach. But I get a lot of goalies, especially that are just like camps and they come from all over. Where positioning and angles really like really a struggle. And like when I get like 16 year old kids that are playing like double A, triple A, and positioning is a, a, a like a, an issue, like I get concerned a little bit. Cause I'm like, this shouldn't be an issue. When you go to a camp, if you if you're if you're at a goalie camp with like 30 kids, yeah. Number one, it's incredibly boring. Oh, yeah. Positioning. Incredibly boring. Yeah. The kids don't want to do it. These watch parents don't want to watch it. No. So if you're trying to sell your camp, <laughs> you're not spending a week doing angle. Those kids will <laughs> no hate shots you. only angle. Yeah, they will hate you. The parents will be like, "What are they doing?" It'll be a disaster. Yeah. So it's it's one thing when you're talking about a camp, right? You got to remember, camp is what it is. It's yeah. it's camp. Private lesson, like you take the time. But that's that's the money you take yeah. the time, and you explain to the parents if your kid, if you want your kid to be an elite goalie. And you want to give them an opportunity to be consistent, then positioning has to be perfect. Yeah. And then if you tell them like that, consistency is what the goal is always. Like that's our job as goalie coaches is to create consistency. If you're an unbelievable goalie, like Vasilevsky, Vasilevsky's been an unbelievable goalie for six, seven years. That is the epitome of consistency. Yeah. We go back, we talked about Linus Allmark earlier. That guy, unbelievable year. Can he do it for another five, six years? Yeah, that's the difference between the guys that are a flash in the pan, and then the guys that are Hall of Famers like Vasilevsky, Carey Price. Yeah, Lundqvist. Those guys. I get that, and the, and the environment is different. And that, that, was, that was one of the reasons I really like um, private like coaching privates, or actually, I hate coaching privates. Coaching semis, despise private lessons. Can we can we talk about? That? Yeah, let's absolutely talk. let's talk about that. Let's parent like we we always try to talk to the parents. Yeah. If you're, okay, so if you're a parent, I know that the term private lesson sounds good, especially if you're someone with the resources that can afford that. That's awesome. For your goalie and for us as coaches, the semi-privates are easily the best, meaning there's two goalies, because regardless of how in shape your goalie is, they're not going for a consistent hour straight. They no. need rest. And if that rest is just them sitting and us talking, that's time that we could be coaching with another goalie and that goalie is continuously learning. And one of the things I, I've added too is um, I have like a delayed feedback app. So I record, like it's going live, the goalie takes his rep and while he's on his rest and I'm teaching the other goalie, he's watching his reps back. And then we can ask questions, we can talk, I can see, see how Jim did it this way and Sally did it that way. Like this is what we need to tweak so we need to adjust, watch it back. Well, I don't, I guess like I know why people want private lessons. It's just, do you, you might as well just pay for 30 minutes. Shit, that's that would be a good idea. <laughs> like I think Osbach, six, Curry, 60 right. minute private session, they're taking pucks for 20, 12 minutes. Yeah. I would say 12, not 20. Like if you go back and you look and if you if you video and just took out maybe yeah, all the stuff in between, it's probably 12 minutes of work. Yeah. 
So you're paying now, let's say $150 for a private lesson. I know some of the prices out there, way more than that. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> Depends, yeah, where you go. Let's yeah. just say it's $150. Okay. And let's say a semi-private is $95. As a goalie coach, it benefits us to have two goalies because it does, you, we do bring in a little bit more money. Yeah. But the best athletes in the world are the best athletes in the world because they're the most competitive. You put two kids on the ace together and immediately the training intensity is going to go up. Yeah. Like you can't deny that. Kids are visual learners. In schools, everything's a smart board. Everything's on an iPad because that's the way that their brains work now. If they see another goalie doing what they're doing, they are going to have immediate feedback, like your video session, from someone live, Yeah, right? It's easy to go back for us and slow things down and show them in slow motion. But when they see things happening in real time, there's they're, they're gaining something from that also because they also have to make the reads. So if you're watching a goalie and say there's a rebound, they watch the puck hit the goalie's pads, they're also training to track that rebound out because they're watching the guy get the rebound. Yeah. So they're getting they're getting training on stuff while they're watching that you can't replicate in a video, showing them on the video, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. I don't know if I said it right. No, I think so. But yeah, parents, parents love kind of the um, allure or the, the prestige. The prestige of doing a private, private worldwide. And and I tell this to people is like people will call me all the time, hey, we want private lessons. I'm like, I'm not gonna do private lessons with you. I mean, I will, but I'm like, you're getting your return on investment is much higher skating with another goalie. Yeah. I had a college goalie skate this morning with my seven-year-old son. They skated together. People are like, oh, we have to have somebody who's just as good. I was actually, that, you, let's talk about You that. don't because you're in the net mm -hmm. and my seven-year-old son is sitting there watching, learning and watching what you're doing. There is no, yeah, there is no, like he he's not taking away yeah. any attention. You also don't have a seven-year-old shooting on you. Yeah, I have a I had a college kid shooting on you. I had a yeah. college kid shooting my kid. Um, but that's that's the thing. Is like, and as goalie coaches, I've had this a lot of times. Is like, you you got the, you were the first one, so you skated with some older guys, and then when you got to eighteen, I could no longer put guys on the ice that were better than you. Yeah, because you were better than them. So I would put you on with some of my best fourteen, fifteen-year-olds. You never complained. You never said, why am I skating with a 15-year-old? I, I need to be skating with Cam Talbot. Well, if you're 18 and Cam Talbot's 24 in the NHL, what makes you think he wants to skate with you? Yeah. So if you're complaining to me because you're skating with my best 15-year-old, mm -hmm. it's the same if I put you on the ice with Cam Talbot. So you had to learn that, okay, I'm going to skate with these guys because I'm going to bring them up, but they also don't affect your focus. They don't affect the intensity you bring or your effort or your ability to learn. If you're engaged and focusing, it doesn't matter who you're on the ice with. Yeah. You're there for you, not to share time with them or worry about how good they are. But those guys also want to ski with you because yeah, when you're younger, that's the ideas you have. Well, yeah. Then they got to give yeah. it back. Exactly. That's exactly it. So like when you're the younger goalie, you want to skate with the better goalies because you want you know play up, you want to be there. When you are the older goalie, it again doesn't affect you because you're the only one in the net. But also like it is cool because you can give back a lot, but also like if you're watching younger goalies that are struggling with certain things, you see those mistakes. If you can identify those mistakes, that helps you in the long term as well. And also just like being a good person and just skating. Like towards the end of my skates, towards the end of my career, like I was skating with like nine and ten year olds, like a lot. And just like 
whatever, just come out as long as my shooters are this the level I want them to be at. It yeah. doesn't really matter. I'm, I'm going to do my drills and 10 year olds are going to take time and stuff, but they love it. And you know what? Like towards the end of my career, when it wasn't really fun for me and coaching started to be the fun thing, I really enjoyed that as much as I enjoyed wanting to be with like, you know, the Talbots and the Vintines and all those guys that were older and way better than me. So, and that's not, it's funny you said that because that was like on my to do list in terms of topics I want to record. It was just like, hey, like you're not too good to skate with younger goalies. Yeah, for because sure. Just don't affect you. And I think guys, guys that are the older goalies that are getting put with younger goalies should really take a second to think about that. I put my best 15 year olds on the ice with you for a reason, mm -hmm. right? You were a great role model. Your work ethic was there. You were there an hour before every skate stretching. You were doing the things that they had to learn to do. They had to see. And it, it's a, it's a continuous cycle. And if you're a guy who's at that level getting put with those younger guys, you should be like, why is he putting me this? Well, because I'm doing these things because he's trying to build those guys up and it becomes a family. Like we're all, those 15-year-olds were never trying to take your spot. You were yeah. never going to compete against them for a spot unless you guys got to the NHL at the same time or, or in the same window. So there's no reason that the older guys shouldn't embrace and try to help those younger guys get to where they are. And I would never put, if if you weren't a good, good role model, I never would have put those guys with you. So those older guys got to understand that. Because some of those guys that were those young guys that skated with you, when they got to that time, they were not the guys that were like you. They were not the guys with a good attitude and they complained about skating with the younger guys and it was like, okay, I just, I can't put guys with you anymore then. Yeah. And that was, that was a really frustrating thing for me at that time and it sucked. But now like it's, I got my best OHL prospect who's going to a draft here this year, skating with my two college guys. They skate every week, three times a week together. And those guys have made sure he's on time. They've showed him focus. They've, make sure he's warmed up before the skate. If he starts getting unfocused during the lesson, which he has a tendency to do, they, I don't, it doesn't have to come from me. It comes from them. Like, Hey, get, get your head on your butt here. Like we got to go. And it's, it's been two years of this kid is mature because yeah. of this game with those guys. So parents and goalies, if, if you are grouped with a younger kid, look at your kid and ask Mike, why is, why are he's putting young kids on with mine? Probably because your kid's probably a pretty good role model for those guys. Yeah. And don't get a big stink about it and be like, take that as a compliment more than anything else. Yeah. And I, I, yeah, this is something that I, I wanted to address. So I'm glad that we, we got to it. The thing is too, is like part of that is, I think that's why like you, you've been so successful and because you, you nurture like that family culture where you'll have your goalies that like, you know, you learn and they end up coaching with you and alongside you and skating. And it just like fills as they keep each other accountable. Like you're always like keeping tabs or you're continually growing together. And when you are 12 years old and you're looking at someone who just got drafted in the OHL, it seems like such a crazy thing. But that kid that just got drafted in the OHL is looking to that kid that just got drafted in the NHL and it just goes full circle. And so, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad that we, we talked about that because I think that's really important. And I, get like a lot of kids i hear that a lot of complaints as well from from the older kids and from the parents that the skill level is not there versus like there's only one goalie in the net if you have a if your goalie coach if you have a good goalie coach mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you have a guy who's in the nhl and a kid who can't skate both of those guys will benefit from the lesson yeah if the goalie coach knows what he's doing 
if he's got quality shooters to shoot on both shots are appropriate for both goalies there's not a goalie coach in the world who's not who doesn't know what he's doing that can't make that work so it's not like if parents have an issue with it usually just talk just ask 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 your goalie coach why don't get don't get so heated about it because honest to god like it's something that i've had for a hundred years why am i skating with a young kid well, because you're a good role model and this kid is not going to take away from your lesson. Yeah. And I want you to teach this kid and I want you to help him. And I'm going to have this kid watching you to do the things that you're doing because you've come a long way and you're a good role model and you're having success. Yeah. That and just like then when you get on with someone like similar to your age, I, I think that competition aspect, like you can't take that for granted. So my best memories, I was talking with Ben, it was like the Saturday skates where it was four goalies and it was Jordan Ironside, myself, and that whoever else, and I was bad, whatever. And we just battled and like we competed, had fun. We played one pod, we played rebound, but like all of that competition, like you wanted to, you wanted to compete with your goalie, pretty much show them. And like even when I skated with younger goalies towards the end, like I wanted to do things right, not only for myself, but I wanted to do them right so that the young goalies saw what it was supposed to be like. Cause I wanted them to, to learn. And I think that's kind of how I knew that actually that wasn't the re- how I knew I wanted to coach, how I knew I wanted to coach was when I was playing in Cincinnati and I was miserable, not because Cincinnati was miserable, but just I was miserable. And like, I was Hauser and I were talking and I was running Hauser through drills and we were talking, I was coaching my goalie partner. I'm like, oh man, he's, he's just gonna play over me, but that's the okay, case. I don't want to play. <laughs> that's how I knew I wanted a new coach, but just like all of it comes together. And, and that's, yeah, so many people just complain complain about that but um is there anything else you want to talk about it kind of just came in i, we, I never come in with a game plan you never you know like i can go on elite prospects and look at your stats mine i got one game on there <laughs> for what Star Creek. they didn't put it that's my biggest one junior d's that was on my first prospects. junior game was on there okay well, that's not too bad so yeah elite oh, 2000 was it 99 or 2000 or the other i think it was 2000 2001 3-2 lost, Fort Erie. In Fort Erie. And dark purple seats behind the nets. That's so dark. So dark. That's like Alabama. I remember playing Alabama. They had like dark purple. I mean, that's definitely the reason why I gave up a gold on the other end of the blue. Other end of the line. Not any other reasons. But oh, yeah. dark are so hard. I remember my first game was that Fort Erie game. We were on an eight-game losing streak. <laughs> I was 16-year-old rookie. First minutes, I got told 10 minutes before warm up because uh, a number one goalie hurt himself during like his off ice warm up. Yeah. You're going in. We lost 3 2. Oh, okay. I played pretty good. Like, I think I gave up three on like 33 or something. And then I didn't play for 12 weeks. <laughs> and oh, uh, we, I think we finished that year 3 and 47. Oh, that's. that's <laughs> dude, you're just junior B and just junior hockey. It used to be such like a. The meat grinder. Oh my god! I mean, my first game, yeah. holding the three-three tie, three-three <laughs> tie in the third period. Here is sixteen-year-old rookie. Oh, uh, in Welland, right? It, no, it was actually in Stony Creek. No, no, but you were playing for. I was playing for Welland. Yeah, that was one of the two games that I played for Welland. Um, it's funny to look back at stuff now and be like, no one had any confidence or beliefs in any sense, but that's like, oh well. I that played. first year junior for you was pretty tough. Yeah, I think four starts. A second year worked out pretty good. Second year worked out well. Four starts, uh, fresh uh, draft out of the OHL, not ideal. But 
talk about like not so much making like it's sometimes victim of circumstance, mm-hmm. right? So you sign in Welland to play behind a kid a couple years older than you. I was no, we don't need to say his name, but yeah, but I was supposed to play behind Vince, and then they brought in another goalie. They brought in another goalie, yeah, and never got an opportunity. Yeah, then went to Brantford mm-hmm. and played behind a guy who had four years in the OHL. Yeah. Who's a twenty-year-old? Yeah, who they were paying bank? Yeah, to play more than I made. Yeah, minor girl, <laughs> and you didn't play. Yeah, and then just to like randomly out of nowhere get picked up by Pembroke and go and win. A- to be a backup. To be a which backup. We, which I, I think did I talk a little bit? About? No, I think I'm gonna talk about Instagram, where where it was one of those like you never know who's watching, and you know Keith came. To a goalie camp in Montreal. Use the full name. People don't. Sheldon Keith used the came to a goalie camp because my agent at the time was um, Kyle Dubis, and obviously you know that connection they have. And he said, "Hey, I got a goalie. Go check him out." Whatever. And he drove from Pembroke to Montreal, watching me at a goalie camp. One of those things where a lot of kids just take that for granted. They just do whatever. And he said, "Look, I can't guarantee you any games. I think you're okay. I need a backup. Come be a backup." And I had an offer at, from Canada at the time, or I think they are guaranteed me guaranteed. Uh, don't say the crap ever. Yeah, guaranteed me twenty games. Um, and coming from four starts in Junior B to twenty A in Junior A, that's very enticing. But uh, just I appreciated that and the effort they put in and the honesty. And so I took the 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 backup offer with no games and ended up playing really well. The goalie that was I was supposed to back up quit because he wasn't playing and they went through like seven different goalies that year and I outplayed them all except very end. Well you're 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 glazing over a lot of this. They brought in seven goalies to be the number one goalie. Yeah. Because they didn't want you to be the number yeah, one. Yeah, that's true. And then you just kept sending those guys home. Yeah. They kept getting getting there, not not getting to play because you were playing too well. Yeah. They got either traded or they asked for a trade or they were upset and left. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I guess I, I do glaze over a lot of that stuff, but I mean, that, that year I didn't play was frustrating. Like, I I got fat. I remember getting really fat. My, you and my, my dad said, this says you're fat, you're getting fat. So I got really fat, and I didn't know. Well, you were also at that time going through, you didn't know what was going on with your gluten stuff, too. Oh, yeah. Dairy. Yeah, I was having some weird stomach things, and then I just wasn't. And then, like, being 16-year-old, and you're playing junior, and your team's mostly, like, over ages and 20s. I just wanted to be, like, a beauty. I didn't really care, and... I just didn't like it's it was hard so i don't really remember what got me back on track do you remember what got me back on track i think i just like but i did like stop wanting it remember my parents said like hey like well when you got traded to branford that was that changed mm-hmm. like you, fresh start yeah you knew you were going into backup but it was like okay just go in and it was basically playing like behind a guy who played four years in the ohl and it was like just go in and learn from this guy mm-hmm. go in and watch how he prepares I remember having that conversation with you is you're not going to play a lot. Yeah. Just going to watch how this guy gets ready for every single game and take that from, mm-hmm. and then you did get a playoff start and you played pretty good in that game. Yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. This is in your, the round Robin. Yeah. I forgot. Totally forgot. I think that. you lost. So if I remember probably, I think it was like a three, two loss. When you go, when and you, you were playing a, a division champion from one of the other conference. Yeah. When you go four months between games, it's not. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And then, uh, then yeah, I remember you went. I thought it was Rochester camp, but it's if it's Montreal. I thought it was yeah, it's that Francois Lair's camp. 
And then, yeah, I remember, I remember you going there and I remember going when I went up to visit you. Yeah, that was bad. This, you can tell that story because it was, so yeah, this is, this, I get, I get embarrassed. I get embarrassed every time I saw this. So it, this would have been, I think maybe end of October, early November. Had to be early November. Early, before I started like cash heat and fire. That's no, you were starting to play well. You were playing well. But I wasn't playing like you were, sick. Yeah, you were playing well. Because I knew I, I knew I was going up there and you were going to play. It wasn't a question. Yeah. So I remember you were playing Friday and Sunday. Yeah, so Friday in Brockville. Friday in Brockville, home. Sunday at home. Yeah. So the plan was I was driving from Hamilton to Pembroke. Yeah. And then I was, get, I was getting on the team bus. Yeah. And going to Brockville. Why didn't you just drive to Brockville? I have no idea. I don't know. But so I drove to, I drove to Pembroke. Got on the bus, yeah. uh, sat with you on the... No, I didn't even sit with you on the bus. No, was, you did. I sat with a rookie. Oh, okay. Keith said I wasn't allowed to sit with you. Okay. But I remember I sat... He sat one seat behind me and right beside me, and I was so intimidated by this guy. And we went to Brockville, and you were trash. That was bad. So bad. That was, the, that was when he came in to the room and said, uh, there's the elephant in the room of why we're losing, and it pointed at me. Yeah. That was among the many positive reinforcements I had. You only, only played about 23 minutes that night. Yeah. So a six-hour drive, then a two-hour bus ride, and then you played 23 minutes. So then I had to watch the rest of the game, yeah. wait, get on the team bus, yeah. and then I had to sit right beside Keith. Mm -hmm. And I'm just like, this guy hates me. Yeah. Like, he, this is this is all... He thinks he played terrible because of me. Yeah. And remember when we got to the rink, he pulled me in his coach's, coach's office. He's like, he's like, well, what do you think? I'm like, but why? He's like, you think... Can this kid do this or what? I go, well, you see him day to day. Like, you have a better gauge on what he can do. But I'm like, I'll tell you this. I say, the more you play him, the better he'll play. And if it was me and you want to find out, I'd play him all the time. And he goes, well, I'm not playing him Sunday. I go, well, that's fine. I'm just telling you, from what I know, if you play him a lot, he'll get the job done for you. And I remember I left. And the Saturday, we were supposed to hang out, right. and he made you work the concession stand yeah. on the Saturday night, oh, so, so you couldn't see me. Yeah. So I went. I forget a lot of these. I remember. I remember yeah. all of it. So I remember I drove to Quebec to watch a junior B game in Quebec, and I almost hit a moose. <laughs> and I came back, and I just watched, I think, a Leaf game in my in my um, hotel room. Yeah. And then the Sunday night, you played, and he put you in. Yeah. And then you played. played really uh, well. It was Navin. Yeah. And you played really well, and Steve Eisenman's brother was there. Yeah. And remember, I left after, and um, you called me, and you said, hey, Steve Eisenman's brother just talked to me, and he's like, he's like, he's going to put me on their list for the draft. And I was like, holy shit, like, that's pretty cool. And I just remember leaving, I'm like, thinking, I'm like, I didn't, like, I'm not saying Sheldon Keefe listened to me. Yeah. But he told me he wasn't playing yet, and then he played you. And I think after that, I think you played 11 games in a row. I think so. And yeah. then you were dynamite after that. Yeah. That, that actually, there was a couple times where he would do that, where he'd just tell me I wasn't playing and then would call me. There was one other time where I think it was after, it was after like a Christmas tournament or something where they showcased and I played terrible. And that was the whole time where he threatened to pull me if I gave him another goal. I didn't give him a goal to hit three posts though. And then I rather the bus ride home was like really painful. And I remember it because I was like hanging out with the girl I was seeing at the time. And I got a call on my phone and I was like, oh God, what is that? So it was him. And he's just like, I can't remember what the conversation was, but he just, he just said like, do you want to win? And I was like, I, I do. He goes, if I put you in like the next day. Are you going to win? I said, yes. He just hung up. 
So if I mean, like, you, you had like all those conversations, like a ton of times. Um, it's actually weird that I talked to an NHL team before I ever talked to a college team. I also, now that I think of it, I blew that interview because mm-hmm. with Steve Eisenman's brother, not because I did it poorly, but he asked if they were to draft me, would I go play in the OHL? And I said, I want to go to college. So they did probably big reason that they didn't draft me because I just want to go to college. Looking back, probably a better thing. I was not ready for the OHL, but uh, uh, you might have been. I don't. I don't think so, though. I don't think I was. I like to think I was, but like, I also don't think I was that ready for college either. My freshman year, I think I needed one more year of junior. You were in a rush. I was in a rush. You were. And I was like, also like the circumstances with all my junior things, just like kind of shitty. Like junior B, Pembroke was good. Getting traded in the BC was good. But then getting traded because I got a scholarship, not yeah. very good. I mean, everything worked out. Like, it all worked out. Yeah. But at that time, I was learning as you were learning. Yeah, like we did. So, like, yeah. we, like it wasn't like I had experience to go back and be like, dude, stay one more year in BC. I was also two, two shutouts away from breaking the league record at Christmas. Like, I was having a good year. I thought I was ready to go. And Phoenix was coming in. And I didn't want him to, like, play, which he did, but play... And then have a year ahead of me in the year of games because then I'd be definitely buried. But like those are things you don't know. It's hard, and then it's hard to go from getting drafted to the NHL, thinking like, "Yeah, I think I'm ready to go to college." But I look back and I'm like, probably needed just one more consistent year of playing a lot of games in junior. But maybe I didn't. Maybe I just needed to play right when I got to college. I I don't know. There's so many. so many like who knows? Like the games I got in college my freshman year were not bad. It was a three-two loss my first game. I had to wait another like nine months, and then a win. Well, the problem and that shutout that that freshman year wasn't your performance in the games. Afterwards, practice it was. They didn't think you were good in practice. Yeah, and that's I tell everyone. Right. That's what we tell everybody, and everyone's like, yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, hey, like you got this in college for sure. Right. You call in college for sure when you don't play many games, and that's like that's your your um, your dress rehearsal gotta show up and practice so many goalies don't and coming from coaching division one um why is our camera blurry oh we're maybe you just can't decide between who to focus on but anyways what was i saying uh oh it's practices practice but what about practice Practice. you're talking about practice what about practice again i was like i was saying something you were saying that you, it was your dress rehearsal for oh it's the dresser like coming from coaching division one the coaches we talk about who looks good in practice and that is how decisions are made on the roster for players and goalies your practice a little bit of what you did last weekend but for that friday night it's a lot of who looked good in practice unless you're blake pietala yes like you but can't he, tell him but he also looked good in practice except for mondays i'm, I'm telling ben you can't tell me that he plays a Friday, Saturday, and his lights out, has a crappy week of practice that he's not going back in Friday. No, no. Like, it's not when yes, and that's, to understand, but. But he's got a track record, a proven track record. He's earned that right. And he's not a freshman coming in that has no track record and hasn't. When I got Blake, it was Blake can't stop box to his walker side and he looked bad in practice. So there's no confidence to put him in. That's why he got three starts his first year. But even though Blake is that guy, it's been consistent. Um, the two and three we talk about how do they look, and that's like, do we have confidence? Put who are we putting in if Blake gets pulled? Blake gets injured. Who are we putting in? How do they look? So these are things that 
his you mean i had a horrible practice habits up to that point i just didn't think i just didn't have practice i just didn't know actually they weren't horrible they just weren't good it's like occasionally i'd stand up with shots but for our coach at the time it was a no-no that you tried on every single shot there were no like there's no in between on that but you live and you learn i guess now i can t- teach that wisdom back to to kids my old age so you're getting gray hairs, dude. I know a lot. Ah, you're getting gray hairs. My hair is falling off. It's getting time old. We are getting old. Um, hopefully the camera works. But thanks for coming on. Any, uh, anything you want to shout out or talk about before we wrap it up? No. Nope. Thanks for watching or listening. Don't forget to like, subscribe, share with friends. Um, top 100 hockey podcasts in the world. Yeah, that's pretty that's cool. Pretty good. I know. So thank you guys uh, and girls and everyone listening. Um, sharing it was really like the best way. And hopefully we can continue to spread knowledge and maybe one day get a sponsor. I don't know. Manscaped. Manscaped. Yeah, why is it Manscaped? We sponsor everybody. Manscaped, uh, better health, and what's the rest of the golf? 